Welcome to the Oster's show of entrepreneurship and regional development podcasts. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Roman Martin from University of Gothenburg. He co-published an article entitled When Regional Meets Global, Exploring the Nature of Global Innovation Networks in the Video Game Industry in Southern Sweden. He co-authored his article with Christina Chaminade and James McKeever. This article has been published in Volume 33, Issue 1 and 2 of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Teller and Francis. Roman, welcome to our show. Thank you very much and thank you for having me here. Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer? Yeah, so this project, this paper is part of a larger project that we conducted. Uh, and the project uh, dealt with global innovation networks in the IT and uh, new media industry in Sweden in a global comparative perspective. Uh, and the project was uh, uh, funded by the Wallenberg Foundation. So it's a Swedish research agency. Uh, and we had project partners in Norway and in India. And our Swedish group here, uh, we were studying the IT industry in, in southern Sweden. Uh, and then soon after some time, we got uh, very fascinated uh, about one subsector of this IT industry, and that's the video games or computer games industry. So we, we got, became really excited about this, about this, uh, this subsector. Uh, video games, what is that? I think it's a very interesting and exciting industry. It's somehow part of the IT industry, uh, but it's also very different from the IT industry. So uh, instead of very much relying on technological development in this industry, uh, very much about the about the success of these video game companies relies on aesthetics and design and storytelling. So the video industry is often considered as part of the creative and cultural industries. And it's also a rapidly growing industry. Uh, so both worldwide, but also in Sweden. So Sweden and the Nordic countries, Sweden is really the hub of the computers and video games industry. Uh, so I guess that you all know I've heard of uh, some of the blockbuster, the Swedish blockbuster video games, uh, Minecraft and uh, Candy Crush. So these are two very big uh, selling games that were developed by Swedish game developers. And that also have uh, developing offices or headquarters in Southern Sweden. Uh, so uh, that was basically the, 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 the empirical interest that we got. Uh, and then because we are researchers on, on innovation, innovation networks, we wanted to study global innovation networks in this industry. So what are innovation networks? Uh, well, we all know that firms, uh, they don't innovate in isolation. They don't uh, lock themselves down in their basement and come up with great new products and services, uh, but they, they innovate through collaboration, through, through interactive learning processes. They exchange ideas and knowledge with each other, and that makes them more innovative. And that takes place in, in innovation networks, and so from a theoretical perspective, we were then interested in, in the geography of these global innovation networks. So basically the, the main aim of the project was then to study global innovation networks in the video games industry in Southern Sweden, and uh, to study how and where and why firms engage in these global innovation networks. 
Okay, to what kind of uh, main contributions bring this paper? Uh, well, first of all, of course, we have an interest in, in developing literature further, uh, so to develop theories on economic geography. And you probably also know that uh, in the literature on economic geography, usually the region is seen as the most important arena uh, for knowledge exchange and uh, yeah, change of ideas that then will lead to more innovation. And there are a couple of, of uh, arguments behind that. So one argument is that if innovative firms, research organizations, universities, and so on, co-locate in a certain region, uh, they can easily exchange tacit knowledge. So tacit knowledge is spatially sticky, and that's best exchanged in a region. And then there is another argument about institutions. Uh, so if firms are located in, a, in, the, in, the, in the same regional environment or national environment, that also facilitates the exchange of ideas because they are part of the same institutional environment. So they have the same norms, formal and informal norms and routines and so on. So we know that regions and proximity really matters for knowledge exchange and really matters for innovation. But then uh, we also know that uh, not all in these interactions and knowledge exchange relationships really take place locally in proximity, but firms also engage into global innovation networks. Yeah? And then we wanted to contribute to this literature on global innovation networks. And when we look here, we can also see that uh, uh, there are a couple of recent uh, argumentations or, or, or developments in this literature, arguing, for example, that the possibility of firms to go global and engage in global knowledge exchange differs between the type of region where they are located. So firms that are located in a very peripheral region will have a hard time to go global and to, to, yeah, to globalize and to source, to link up to global knowledge providers while firms that are located in, in metropolitan regions, or you can also call them institutionally, organizationally thick regions, for them it's easier to locate to global, uh, to link up to global knowledge providers because they are, they are co-located with multinational firms, they are co-located with uh, research centers of excellence with global reach. So basically the, 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 the chances that you have to go global and to resource uh, knowledge globally depends on the type of region that you are. And then there is another argument uh, that we that we took up from the literature is namely that uh, the likelihood to go global and source knowledge globally also depends on the type of industry. And that's the, the so-called knowledge-based literature. And here the argument that is often brought forward is that you have some types of industries. For them, it's uh, easy to, to or natural that they link up globally. And these are particularly the analytical science-based high-tech industries. The pharmaceutical industry, you can imagine for them, they, for them it's very natural that they, that they engage in global innovation networks. But then you have other industries. Uh, so in particular, symbolic, uh, creative and cultural-based industries. For them, it's not very, very often that they engage in globally, global knowledge exchange, but for them, the local milieu is particularly important. And that's explained then by the, the way how they innovate in small pro short-term projects with switching uh, collaboration partners, but it's also explained by the type of knowledge that they work with, so cultural and context-specific knowledge. And there is a lot of literature about this and a lot of empirical evidence for the, this key role of, uh, of uh, local buzz or local knowledge exchange in the local milieu, in particular for symbolic industries. But still, uh, also firms in symbolic industries 
uh, exchange knowledge globally. So they, for them, the, mo the regional level is very important, but still they go global. So we be became interested in that and we wanted to, to find out how, where and why then these uh, video game companies engage in global knowledge exchange. What was for you the main theoretical and or methodological challenges in addressing such a question? Um, well, I would say that, that uh, methodolo methodologically it was a bit challenging um, because most of the, the existing studies that deal with uh, global innovation networks or net networks in general, they use secondary data based on uh, patents. So they study co-patenting networks or they use secondary data based on publications by studying co-publication data. And that's data that you can't really use for studying creative and cultural industries or the video games industry because they don't patent, they don't publish. Uh, so we needed to come up with alternatives. And in the end, we needed to, we decided that we have to collect our own data. So we had to, to go to the companies, send out surveys, uh, call them in order to ask them explicitly about their networks, about their the innovation networks. And that's very challenging because in order to do good network analysis, you need extremely high response rates. So actually you would need a 100% response rate to really do a solid uh, network analysis, but that's in practice uh, hardly possible. So what, uh, well, what we did, what we had to do is to be very pushy and uh, call them all the time and trying to, to get them on board of our project. And in the end, we had at least a, we had a, response rate of 58, 85%, which is pretty good. So it's not a big sample. Uh, we have around 20 firms in the, in the sample, uh, but that's uh, the, the vast majority of the video game companies. So we, we could do a quite solid network analysis and uh, mapping of their networks. Nice. During your research journey, what was your biggest surprise or the most counterintuitive result? Um, maybe one finding that I found most most interesting or maybe also counterintuitive is that the very important motivation for these firms to go abroad and to search, uh, to, to globalize and to search for knowledge in global networks uh, was not the search for technological knowledge as an input for the innovation processes, but it was very much the search for, search for market knowledge. Uh, so a very strong motivation for these firms to go abroad is to search for new business opportunities and also to learn about potential markets. And that's something that is hardly discussed in this uh, literature on geography of innovation, where still a lot the strong focus is on the supply side of, of innovation, so input to in a practical innovation process. And there is not so much uh, focus on the demand side of innovation. So one of the interesting findings here for us is the key role of of uh, market knowledge. Uh, and another very important uh, finding is the key role of institutions. So one might think that while well, we are uh, living in a globalized world and institutions really don't really matter, in particular in a globalized uh, uh, industry, a tech-based industry, then still such as the ICT, and, uh, but uh, that was not the case. So it was obvious that the firms were going where the main markets were uh, and that was in particular US and UK. While very few of the firms, firms took the challenge and successfully went to, to where the emerging, big emerging markets are. And that's in Asia. And that's uh, of course, in particular China, 
but also South uh, South Korea and to some extent uh, Japan. So it was told to us by all the interview partners that uh, that uh, that uh, it's easy to go to UK and to go to US and collaborate with those people uh, because of this institutional proximity. Uh, while it's much difficult, much more difficult to meet up and collaborate uh, with Asian partners because of this institutional distance. So even in our globalized world, institutions uh, matter quite a lot. And what are the main implications for of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, or practitioners in general? Um, I would say that uh, if we want to do some implications here, then I would make some implications for regional policymakers. So policymakers that try to, to strengthen and foster creative and cultural industries, such as video games, in their region. Uh, and there, I would say that it's very classical cluster policy uh, approaches. So making network events, uh, bringing the firms together, uh, also creating business incubators, supporting entrepreneurship. So all these typical cluster, cluster techniques, they are very well suited for this type of industry because they need this local buzz in this uh, local connectivity. But at the same time, um, it's important for them, for these policymakers to keep in mind that, uh, that, uh, that they can also and should also help these entrepreneurs and small companies to link up to global innovation networks. And that can be done in different ways. You can think that on the one hand, you can try to, or you can support your local entrepreneurs and your local companies to, to go abroad by providing some form of travel funds to for them to travel to international conferences or to, I don't know, go to Silicon Valley and spend there a few weeks or months. So that's one way. But you can also try to attract foreign firms and foreign actors to your home region. So basically to bring this uh, local, uh, this uh, global pipelines home to your home region. For example, by organizing fairs and exhibitions and conferences that have a global reach. So there are many possibilities to create strong local innovative milieus uh, that are also internationally and globally connected. With big bridges. Thanks a lot, Roman, <laughs> for uh, participating to our show. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-erd.com and on the main podcast platforms. Thank you, Vincent, for having me.